it's God first, other second, yourself third. The unique and cool thing about it is if you have that perspective, it comes back around to benefit you. Iwoo Hoops presents The Pursuit. Go inside the locker room as Iwoo Hoops trades the pursuit of me for the pursuit of three. Welcome to Series 3 of The Pursuit. I'm Jeff Clark, one of the men's basketball coaches at Indiana Wesleyan. In Season 1, we told the story God wrote of how the men in our program traded the pursuit of me for the pursuit of three, ultimately culminating in a national championship. Here's Coach Tonegal in Episode 1 talking about how pursuing God first and others second translates to any context. It's just ripe for the market. I think it's ripe for culture. Because our culture wants greatness. I am third ultimately produces greatness. I think it produces greatness inside of individuals, inside of organizations, in, inside of teams, which is the exact opposite as we've talked about the, the pull of me, which I think just distorts that greatness. This series will take listeners inside each program in IWU's athletic department, sharing how each coach is flipping the world's vision of leadership upside down, instead pursuing kingdom greatness through discipleship. The terminology in each program may be different, and the application may change. But the coaches at IWU believe pursuing God first and others second is a powerful way to live and to lead in any context. Today's episode will feature the women's basketball program. In the first half, Coach Ethan Whaley will share his journey and the shift in his life as coaching went from a career to a calling. In the second half, Ann Seacrest will join to talk about her experience in the program so far after transferring in this year. In overtime, Coach DeMichael will bring his perspective. We're joined now by Coach Ethan Whaley. Coach Whaley, you walked alongside us for eight years, day by day, with the men's basketball program before you became the head coach here. Just take us through your journey in coaching before becoming a head coach for the first time. My first eight years on the men's staff was was a wild ride. Um, so many great memories, so many great relationships that I got to build. Um, you know, you and I talked before the podcast, I think the thing that that I'll always take away and the thing that I remember is there there was a shift and almost a transformation in my mind, in my heart from, it went from this is my career to this is my calling. And I, and I can't remember exactly when the shift happened, but I would say my first three or four years, um, it, it was a, if coaches had wind shares, I was pursuing wind shares. I was pursuing that perfect scouting report, landing that big time recruit, having the best weight program that I could possibly put together. Not that those things were bad, but as I look back, I was missing the boat on what was most important. And that's seeking transformation in the lives of our players who come in as 17, 18 year old boys at that time and leave as 22, 23 year old men, regardless of of where they're going, they're grown men by that point, and their habits have been formed, and, and their identity have have really been shaped in who they're going to become over the next 20, 30, 40 years. And once my mind and my heart clicked from my biggest calling is to help transform these lives for Christ, there was uh, just unlimited fulfillment and an incredible, incredible amount of passion and zeal for my job that never even existed, I never even thought about my first few years of coaching. And it's it's was fun to walk alongside you every day because you're just a guy that always pursues growth and is always finding new ways to grow and you really do have supernatural energy. And as you started to find that, I think everybody 
on campus would attest to that because of the way you approach every day, whether it's in the weight room, on the court, in your office. But as you transition to a head coaching role for the first time, you're in a position of ultimate leadership. What was going on in your mind and what had become your marching charge as a leader as you took over the reins of the program? Man, so just to walk you through that journey, I took over the women's program, never having coached women before a day in my life, you know, and uh, I... Coaching 15 women from coaching 15 guys, they, I, we could go all day about the differences. So my first year, I'll be honest, there was a lot of times where I just felt like I was drowning, and so I was just trying to stay afloat. Um, but, you know, I'm a big relationship guy, and I told you there was a shift that I felt in my heart and in my mind three, four years into my coaching career. So I tried to take that in, which was building relationships with my players. And probably by December, through conversations, through prayer, I really felt like, I was called and, and it felt like my greatest responsibility was to infuse confidence and inspire belief in the, in the minds of my players and our coaches. You had a lot of challenges in year one, whether it was injuries or outside pressures, tough decisions to make. How did you keep that in the forefront of your mind when you faced some of this adversity? You know, the, uh, assistant coach Brent Bellinger makes fun of me a lot because every day we pray as a staff. And every day we pray for challenges. We, we don't pray for comfort, but we pray for equipment. We pray for strength. We pray for power and discernment in those times of difficulty. And uh, there have been many times, many challenges where Brent will say, why do you keep praying for this stuff? Jokingly, obviously, he, he's right there with us praying. But um, we, we want challenges because we believe challenges are opportunities for growth. And so I'd be lying to you if I felt like I had the answer every single time. But but once again, remaining faithful, remaining remaining prayerful and disciplined and, and uh, relying on the fact that we believe God will pull us through. He will give us the strength, give us the wisdom to know what to do in every situation. And that's certainly not to say we've been perfect at all. Uh, but over time, I believe our faithfulness has has uh, reaped a harvest of, of righteousness. So you ent- enter year two or you leave year one and you're, you're processing things. And you're a guy who always praying about how can I grow next, as you just said. What was going in your mind as you entered the offseason about how you wanted to grow transitioning into year two? Yeah, well, I, I kind of opened it up. I just said, man, year one, it felt like we were drowning in a lot of ways. Uh, and, and so in April, I just said, our staff sat down, and, and I was talking to a lot of people. You were in on that conversation, actually. Um, and just said, we want a lens with which we can filter everything through, whether it's camps, whether it's our player development, whether it's recruiting, even our outreach with our communities on our mission trips. What's a constant lens and a theme that we can work with that that will have a lasting impact and, and almost be unique in a, in a positive way and impact lives for the kingdom? And, and the word that we rested upon was discipleship. So everything we do, we're looking at it through the lens of, how can, we, how can we disciple others? How can we make disciples? And, and, and how do we view it through that lens? Um, and, and so it, and I'll be honest, Jeff, like for a while there, it was just kind of a cool theme, a cool word to say, but we didn't totally understand what that even looked like. Uh, so then as, as you tried to process what it looked like, how did you come to understand it over the next few months heading into the season in, in April? You get this word, discipleship. We want to make discipleship the driver of this program. What happened over the next couple months? Yeah, uh, and, and, you know, we a lot of prayer, a lot more discussion, a lot more studying. Um, 
one of my favorite pastors is Matt Chandler in Texas, and and he had a discipleship series. So so we were listening to that. Um, but but truthfully, the greatest word that I received was really just from observing different leaders and, and different coaches and people that I've I've had the fortune to to be around. Uh, and, and really, I almost just took bits and pieces of what they do, what's been so successful in their ministries and in their in their callings, and tried to tailor it to, to what we want to do. And, and actually, the, the definition of our discipleship process is approaching relationships with patience and intentionality as we grow on an upward trajectory towards Christ. So ultimately, if I'm with a player, there's going to be days where they're, they're living wrong, whether it's on the basketball floor or off. I call them in and I say, hey, here's where you need to change and grow. And, and previously in the past, even still my, my natural reaction, if, if day two they mess up, at that point I give up on them. It's, it's a cap. I don't stop loving them, but I say, okay, you know what? They're never going to reach past this, this cap right, right where they're at. Uh, so we just got to make do with it. And, and there was a shift once I, once I came with this and uh, observed different, different leaders that, okay, here's where you're at. And then, and then draw this arrow, a, a northeast direction arrow, a diagonal arrow, if you will. They're at the bottom of the arrow, and we're going to do our best to walk alongside them patiently, intentionally, every single day. And they're gonna, we're going to bring them along with the way that we're growing. And so hopefully the result over two, three, four years, however long they have left, is they're at the bottom of the arrow through patience and intentionality of, of relationship building and investment. They move along up that arrow, not because we're threatening them, not because they're going to have to run or do suicides, but because their hearts are transformed by the renewing of their minds. And, and, and as a coach, there's no more fulfilling job or calling or role or experience than watching your players grow along that arrow. So a lot of what I hear you saying is what you started with, is that the things you're after for your players are for their transformation and for them to correctly understand their identity, which is how you really grew within your first eight years of coaching. Yeah, I mean, you you said it to a T, man. I, I believe that God grows and stretches people to prepare them for their ministry later on in life or to prepare them for a moment such as this. And and I truly believe that my transformation, it's, it's by the glory of God, but I've been fortunate enough to be in a position where I can use my previous and past experiences to impact lives for the kingdom in our program. Talk about some intentional things you do to make that happen, whether it be experiences or individual moments. How are you as a leader creating that type of environment where transformation and growth and identity can happen? Man, you know, year, year two has been so much more fun than year one. And that's certainly not to say I didn't like the players we coached last year or anything like that, but the, there's a, a more comfortability with our players and our staff, you know what? I know our play, I've coached them for over a year now, going on a year and a half. Uh, so our, our talks this September are much deeper than they were last September. So uh, weekly meetings, there's, there's players that I have regular prayer times for, players that have expressed a desire to grow in their prayer lives. We attack prayer head on, um, whether it's for our team, whether it's for their families. We've got players that uh, right now are going through stuff and, and we want to attack the hard issue or maybe blind spots that they're going through. So I have one player, we're going through a book right now. Uh, our, our whole staff has, we each meet with certain players every week. And it's not to talk about basketball. There's no film. There's no individual workouts involved. It's let's go get coffee. Let's go get lunch. Let's pray together. Let's, let's talk about how you're doing. And again, it goes back to if discipleship is our purpose with player development, what does that look like? It looks like being patient 
looks like being intentional as our staff grows, we're bringing our players along with us. You talk about all these things happening off the court, but last year there was a clear growth on the court for your team. And for you to navigate all the challenges and still make it to the national tournament was really fun for a lot of people to watch. How does this discipleship off the court actually translate to on-court success? Man, uh, I think there's so many avenues you could go with this. But last year our theme was discipline leads to freedom. And so freedom was a, was a big thing we talked about. We talked about how do we get there in our spiritual lives? How do we gain freedom? How do we not live in anxiety and, and fear and, and worry all the time? Well, it goes back to how disciplined are you in your devotions? How disciplined are you when you're praying? What are you praying for? How disciplined are you in your relationships with your boyfriends, with your parents, with your, with your teammates, whatever it is? And when you have discipline in the little things, freedom comes in the big moments. When you're studying for a test, if you've been disciplined in that, you're probably going to have a lot more freedom on that test than if you did not study at all. On the court, it's the same thing. If you're disciplined with the way that you build relationships with your teammates, you're going to be more unified on the floor. Obviously, if you're getting shots up in the summer, we're going to give you the greenest light ever. If you've proven that you've been disciplined in the offseason, we're going to let you shoot it. And, and uh, one great story is Anna Imhoff. I mean, the girl had uh, – she made 100 threes last year. That's the second most in program history. Uh, we actually set a uh, school – a team record, a program record for most threes made in a season by a team. And that's there's no coincidence that they were disciplined – uh, in the offseason, disciplined before and after practice, getting extra shots up, and then there was freedom on the court that, that couldn't have played out any better. It's fun to see a vision like that come to life where out of your prayer life you get this word and then you pursue it as a team. And I know this year you have a, another theme. Can you talk to listeners about how you come to those and what this year's theme is? Yeah. I mean, really, our staff goes into a, a significant amount of prayer time uh, once the offseason starts, really uh, this year started in April, um, and, and we really didn't get a word till middle of May. There was intentional time, different ideas we were tossing around, but the one, <coughs> excuse me, the one that we really pursued and the one that we felt like fit our team perfectly was get out, go up. Um, so the idea is we want to get out of our comfort zone and go on an upward trajectory towards Christ. Uh, it's, and one verse that we we landed upon was out of Philippians three. Uh, and and it's, it's actually 7 through 14, but the one verse that we talk about is, I press on towards a goal to win the prize for which God has called us uh, upward toward Christ Jesus. And in that, again, we talk about that arrow a little bit earlier, the northeast diagonal arrow. Um, and the goal is, if we're at the bottom of the arrow, little by little, we need to take one step forward every day. And actually, you and I were talking a few years back, I remember you saying this, if, if we were to board a plane today, and our goal is to circle all the way around the world and land right back here in Marion, Indiana. If we get even one degree off our trajectory, we'll land somewhere. If we were to fly the same amount of distance and same amount of time, we'd land somewhere in Alabama. And that's the story we challenge our team with is just get one degree better every single day. Your spiritual life's off. Get one degree better every single day with the way that you pray, with the way that you approach relationships, with the way that you get in the word. Uh, and we've seen, again, I told you, we pray for discomfort. We pray for challenges because those are the times where we believe God can stretch us and where we can be molded and grown and shaped the most. So we pray for that. And, man, it's already coming. But, but the coolest part is if you're battling that stuff every day, that's probably because the Spirit is moving and Satan doesn't like it. If, if there was nothing moving, if the Spirit wasn't present in our locker room, in our hearts, in our minds, Satan wouldn't care. He wouldn't have to be here. But because, 
because there is growth, because there is movement, Satan's doing everything he can to stop it. Man, Jeff, that's, that's a sweet spot to be in, in my opinion. Last question, Coach Whaley. What's your dream for the type of environment you hope to create in this program? You know what? I, I, uh, the best way to describe it is Canacuck at Indiana Wesleyan. Uh, if, if I know you've had players, we both had players, and several coaches in our department have had players that go work Canacuck uh, sports camp. It's, it's the largest Christian sports camp in the country. Uh, it's led by Joe White, and really, Joe White's a stud, but so is everybody else that works there. Uh, and, and I've had probably at least 10 to 15 players now go work Canacuck, whether it's for a month, for an entire summer, and every single person comes back transformed. They come back with this excitement, this, this contagious energy and zeal and passion for growth. Uh, and that's what I want. I want people to come in and see how excited we are to come to practice every day. I want people to come in and see how excited we are to get together and, and grow every single day. I want the way that we talk to each other, the way we touch each other when, when we're playing, the way that, that we encourage each other. I want there to people to say, man, that's different. I want to be a part of that. And, and that's fun basketball. Like you, you think about the funnest team. You watch the Warriors. Those dudes are out there having some fun together. Look at Steph Curry. Look at KD. Now, say what you want about those guys, but they're having a good time. And there's a deeper meaning than, oh, we're just making shots. There's a closeness. There's a unity. And we want that same feeling, that same excitement in our program. And we want the root of it, the cause of it, to be the Holy Spirit that binds us. And when we come back, we'll hear from one of Coach Whaley's players about their experience in the program and how they felt the fruit of this dream. This podcast was created to take you behind the scenes of building an I Am Third culture in a basketball program. But IW Hoops believes this philosophy can translate to any context. As we enter this one-minute halftime, we want to let you hear from our sponsor, Insurance Management Group, who is building a culture of I Am Third in the insurance industry right here in Indiana. Here's IMG President Trent Daly. Pursuing the I Am Third lifestyle has helped me grow as a leader in all aspects of life. Putting God first, my colleagues and customers second, and myself third has impacted IMG in ways I couldn't have imagined. At IMG, we have a passion for people and helping them achieve their goals. We are not just an insurance agency. We are a culture and an experience. You should expect more from your insurance agent. Visit us now at www.insmgt.com. Now back to the second half. We're joined now by sophomore Ann Seacrest. Ann, why don't you take us inside how you got to Indiana Westland? Yeah, so um, I am a Division I transfer. I'm a sophomore, and um, I just did not um, find what I was looking for when I went to the school I went to last year. And so um, at the end of last season, I just kind of felt like God was calling me to um, a higher purpose and um, calling me somewhere else. And so... Um, when I started looking at different schools, um, I actually knew another girl on the team, Meredith Broyette. We went to high school together, and I knew that this was a place that she really loved, and um, the coaches were very instrumental in her life, and so um, I really bought into that, and so I came on a visit, really loved it. Um, I, yeah, like, it has been a really good transition so far um, coming here. Um, it's been awesome having a team where you can 
go-to where you're like they're almost like your sisters like we've built like such great relationships I say I'm all best friends with every one of my teammates and that's such an awesome thing to know that I have um, sisters in Christ and um, it goes off the floor and on the floor I know I can always go to them whenever I need something and on the floor it definitely translate to um, because we aren't playing for ourselves we're playing for each other and I think that's one of the really cool aspects and with the coaches the great coaching staff that we have um, we definitely play for them as well and um, we just love each other so much and so that just makes a great atmosphere to be around and that's something that I really wanted to be a part of so that's one of the main things that attracted me here to Indiana Wesleyan and knowing coach Whaley and walking alongside him for so long and knowing your other coaches they really do care a lot about your growth more than just as basketball players but there is this pull within the world of basketball and athletics that is Division One or bust. Why do you think that is, and why do you think it should be different? I definitely thought the same thing when I was a junior, trying to going through the recruiting process, trying to figure out um, what where I was supposed to be. And um, I definitely do um, value going to a Division One school and um, – thankful for the opportunity that I was given but I think what the value is is that you try to um, show how great of a player you are and it's kind of like an individual thing like I always thought like oh man if I go division one like I'm gonna like that'll be like the top goal that I can get to and that'll really define me as a basketball player like if I'm division one then I'm one of the top um percentage that it is that it's like two percent that goes on to a division one school so I really that was really my focus like as I was going through the recruiting process and I didn't even pay any mind to any of the other schools that were kind of looking at me like the smaller schools um, like the D2 NAIAs like I I got recruiting letters from them but it just wasn't anything in my mind I just had that goal of being a division one player that I didn't focus on the right fit per se even though the school I was at was a good fit but it just didn't work out but it was more of like um, yeah I wanted that division one uh, experience and so I one of the things that I do regret is not going on more um, visits to see other schools I think I if I would have came to Indiana Wesleyan I think I really would have liked it it's a great campus coaches are amazing and um, after having a one year under my belt, it kind of, um, I kind of realized that it isn't just basketball. The four years that you have, um, it's going to be about growing more as a person and you want to get your education um, completed. And so those are really two major things that um, stuck out to me about here is that those really were placed first and sometimes you're cared more about that than as a player. And so that was um, something good. Something Coach Donegal says, and I know Coach Whaley, I've heard him say it as well, that we focus in the recruiting process too much on signing day and what people say about you the day you signed to a Division One, and not graduation day. Who will I become four years later playing mm -hmm. in this program? So you come here and Coach Whaley uh, starts – giving his theme for the year, which is countercultural a little bit. He's saying get out of your comfort zone in order to go on an upward trajectory. How have you processed that as a player? I really like this idea of um, getting uncomfortable because uh, Coach Willie was telling us when we get uncomfortable and get out of our comfort zone, that's when we see the most growth. And I am the type of person that 
I constantly want to grow myself, um, not only as like a player, but um, as a follower of Christ. Like I, I want to um, learn more about God, and I want to um, stretch myself. A great motto for our team for the year. Um, that can be, I think that's um, really good because we want to get out of our comfort zone because we want to grow as a team, as players, and as a coaching staff. And you guys did that in a practical way, going to the Dominican Republic as a team to start the year in August. What was that experience like? It was a great experience. Um, go, we got to go down there for um, seven days. It was about a week. And we just got to serve the people of the Dominican. Um, we went with Go Ministries. So they're a, their vision is to create um, an athletic complex and a seminary for um, kids and um, the people of the Dominican, and so they are creating um, baseball fields, basketball courts, uh, they have volleyball, I think, so baseball is one of their major things in the Dominican, so what we were doing was, um, when we were there, we were digging a 12 foot by 12 foot by 12 foot hole, basically, and there was going to be a baseball tower put in this hole, and so um, that was the main part of our mission going down there, but also we put on basketball camps for um, one of the Go Ministries teams there, one of the women's teams, and um, we also got to play while we were down there. We got to play some semi-pro teams, and um, we got to visit and play with some kids, love on some kids, and it was just an awesome experience, and it definitely got us out of our comfort zone. I think we were all supposed to choose a word for... Uh, the week and mine was actually uncomfortable because um, I kind of wanted to tie it in with the theme but it really was getting us out of our comfort zone because we'd be going out there um, early in the morning to midday and um, then we'd go out and play we would go out dig the hole we'd be digging all day and then come back um, we'd have our little siesta time and then we'd go back and play later that night so we were tired we were hot um, just stretched to our max and I think as a team we really did grow. Um, we had devotionals throughout the week and so we grew in our love for Christ. We grew as um, sisters, as a family and um, just being able to be there and put on a platform and showing the people of Dominican that, um, that we're there to serve them and I think that was really awesome for us to stretch as a team. As a player coming into an environment where the goal of the staff and the players is to, is to love God first, how different is it to be on the court playing when you know you have that shared mission? It's a lot different because you definitely are going to um, put yourself on the line for your team because with that mission, um, you want, you're putting God first and so um, you are holding yourself to a higher standard because um, with God being first, that's the kind of platform that we want with being a basketball program. And we're given the spotlight to um, do something with. And what we want to do with it is something good and show that, um, yeah, God is first. And that's how it should be um, through everything, not just basketball, but um, through our daily lives, through school, um, for our families. So. And one final question, what would you say to yourself when – if you could talk to the junior version of Ann Seacrest, who's going through the recruiting process, now that you've experienced a division one Division one environment, you've experienced Indiana Wesleyan, what do you wish you would have known at that point? I think I would have told myself that 
as much as I love basketball and as much as I love playing basketball and um, just everything about it, that it's not everything. And ba basketball alone isn't going to make me happy. Um, I think I would tell myself that to look for um, something that would stretch me, like is here, and to um, really challenge myself and like my faith, and that only in God we can be happy. So um, I think putting Him first and um, everything else, second, our families, and then basketball, um, I think that is what really would be an important part about the deciding factor is just um, the happiness that you get from putting your faith in God first. We're joined by Athletic Director Mark DeMichael. Coach Whaley spoke in the first half about this shift in his life from coaching being a career to a calling. Why do you think so many coaches get into this profession looking at the way to advance in their own career? Because that's what they're seeing. That's what they're hearing. That's that's Athletics is such a huge part of our culture in this country. It's an idol in our country, really, for too many people, people in our culture. So all you get overwhelmed with, if you follow the media and, and the culture of our country, you are overwhelmed with successful coaching is about wins, it's about championships, it's about making money, it's about getting on TV, it's about uh, marketing and commercials, uh, to the point where even some college sports, you hear people talk about they're, they're about the personality of the coach, that program is about the coach. And that's what we get, uh, that's what we get inundated, inundated with. And so it's easy to fall into that trap. And so many coaches are driven and competitive by nature because that's what made them successful in athletics. And it becomes a dangerous combination when a coach is in charge of these athletes that he has a voice over. He's given power over them, but he's doing it for his own career progression. Why is that a dangerous combination? Yeah, because it's about you. And these young people have been brought to the program that you lead and there's regularly a very visible measure of how the world will say whether you're doing your job well or not, and that's the scoreboard. So there's this public, um, public nature of what we do in coaching that adds pressure. So what it becomes is then the athletes become tools in your toolbox to get more points on the scoreboard than the other guy. And all of that whole thought process is about you, but it's about you because the expectations that you're feeling are about you and you're being judged and your value is in that. So the athletes become an afterthought. They're just a, a piece of the puzzle to make it about you and to have the success as you've defined success and as the world has defined success in the job and the career of coaching. And if that's the case, then we'll value our players based on what they're contributing, not thinking about their growth, which is what Coach Whaley talked about in the first half as he shifted to coaching as a calling. What happens in the heart and life of a coach when that shift happens? Well, what I see is more joy in what they're doing, um, more passion in what they're doing, and coaches are passionate and driven to begin with. But when it becomes ceases to become about them and starts to become about their athletes and the growth of their athletes and the discipleship of their athletes, their passion grows and the joy grows, and thus the energy grows, and they're actually better at what they do um, because they're inspired 
and they see things clear because they're seeing things through God's eyes and they're seeing the lives of those that they're working with um, and loving them with, with Christ-like love instead of selfish ambition. So I see them get better at what they do. And Coach Blaze is really an example of this. There's this lie that we hear in the world that you have to choose one or the other. Either you pursue discipleship, you pursue the growth of your players, or you pursue success, and you can't find both. But Coach Whaley, what he said in the first half is, discipleship became the driver of what I did. As you've watched him grow over his entire span here, how has he developed and how has he become a better coach because of that shift? He's always been a high-energy guy from the beginning. I think he talks about juice a lot. That's one of the <laughs> words they talk about in the women's basketball program. So energy has never been a problem for Coach Whaley. It's been the focus of that energy. And so as he has shifted as a head coach and really sees, um, sees what he's doing as a ministry and not as an occupation, you can see that juice that he has and that energy that he has being so invested into the athletes on his team. And he has, when I walk by his office and he's in there meeting with a, with a student athlete and, and investing in her, he's leaning forward and his arms are going, he's talking, he has all that energy and it's focused on, on her and what her needs are at that time. And he's listened to her. And so when the team then shows up in practice and he still has that juice and he's still running drills and he's still getting on them for not having the juice too, um, the whole culture and the whole atmosphere in the gym is different because the young ladies that are playing for him know that basketball is, is the piece of the puzzle, but it's not the purpose of what he's doing. And we heard it in the second half when Ann paused to say, we're playing for the coaches because we love them and value them so much. And that's what ha has happened within the culture he's created. Final words, speak to that coach who is fighting this tension. And they feel like if they go all in, God first in coaching, they might be giving something up. You're not giving anything up. Um, that's a lie. Uh, the, the general, a lot of people think that if you go God first and you go into the discipleship of your athletes, that somehow you're going to lose a competitive edge because you're going to get too nice. And that is, that is just a lie. I mean, it's God has called us to maximize our gifts because those gifts are gifts from him. And when we focus on that piece and investing in our in our student athletes spiritually, and fit, we're going to want to see them be better athletes because we love them and we want them to use those to the maximum to bring glory to God. So you're not going to be any less competitive. You're more competitive. It's why are you being competitive that change? And you're not being competitive for personal glory. You're being competitive because that athletic success that is coming gives God an opportunity to do special things for His kingdom. So that's, that's what it's all about. You're not sacrificing anything you're gaining. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Pursuit. If you were challenged to grow from this podcast, please rate or review us on your podcast platform or share with those you know as it helps multiply the impact. If you have a question you would like to ask iWoo Hoops on a future episode, hashtag ask I will hoops or email jeff.clark at indwes.edu. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at I will hoops. Join us next time right here on The Pursuit. And remember, if you want to be first, first find a way to be third.